to present the award for best picture, one among us who has passed beyond fame to become legends, happily in his own time and ours. Winner himself of two Academy Awards, this man has a personal strength and courage that equal his professional skill and his daring. And if it seems that I've made this presenter a figure straight off Mount Olympus, I apologize for the understatement. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Lawrence Olivier. Dear ladies and gentlemen, thank you more than I have ever wanted or tried to thank anybody for such a perfectly wonderful reception. Thank you so much. I hope I won't let the occasion down too badly. I'm here to present uh, the Best Picture Award, and the winner for this is Amadeus. Hello and welcome to Talking Oscars. I'm your host, Aziz Tuwejiri, and Amadeus ex machina, this bitch. Uh, I don't think this pun worked, but it doesn't matter. So, hey, what's up, person who just chuckled at my bad joke? Who are you? <laughs> hey, this is Nick Long. What? Just a dude. <laughs> Second episode guest Nick Long? Yay. It's been long time. It's been a long time, goddammit, since I saw you. <laughs> Yep. So uh, uh, we last one we did was uh, what was it uh, Midnight Cowboy? Yeah, and honestly, mm -hmm. usually I love uh, honestly Nick. Uh, when I, when movies that you recommend are always just like out of left, uh, not really out of left field, but movies are like in the in the periphery of pop culture phenomenons. But not a lot of people think about like oh, huh? Yeah, we should discuss these kind of movies like Midnight Cowboy. I, I uh, I'm glad that you suggested it so I can watch it. And for the second time, I'm glad that you chose this year's uh, winner, which is? Uh, it's Amadeus. Right, yeah. Uh, actually, from 1980, 1985, Oscar winner for Best Picture. Yeah, exactly. So mm -hmm. we actually, we, I think we skipped a step. So we, I think you have to explain what the podcast is first. <laughs> it's, right. It's, so... I think we skipped two months. I'm not, I'm, I'm not used to this. <laughs> uh, yeah, so talking Oscars, we're going to talk about, well, we choose a year. We pick the Oscars for that year, watch as many of the Oscar uh you know, Oscar nominees we can, talk about the movies, and then talk about the Oscar winner as the main event. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you. That That's succinct and to the point. And do you, do you have a reason why you chose Amadeus? Honestly, uh, so we had talked about doing a show, uh, you know, after we did the Midnight Cowboy one, you were asking me, you know, like, hey, if we do this again, what year would you want? And I picked one, and you were like, oh, someone's already called that year. And I was like, well, let me look up, you know, uh, what other Oscar winners that I haven't seen. And the Amadeus popped up, and I was like, that poster has always, like, intrigued me because I didn't know how it related to the movie. And so I'm going to go with that one. <laughs> and so, like, I, yeah, that's that's the whole story of how I chose Amadeus. I felt kind of bad, though, because... Uh, there was uh, the other day we were talking about finally recording. You were like, "Oh, well, we really need to do that because Nick wanted to do Amadeus really badly." And I was like, "Oh, I just kind of picked it." <laughs> no, um, <laughs> no, because uh, the reason why it, it doesn't really matter whether the reason is uh, superficial or deep is because that uh, I mean, you, you you chose two movies, uh, especially that, that, that again, like I said, periphery 
of pop culture where it's they get referenced a lot and then but you don't actually mm -hmm. the reference doesn't really exactly tell you what kind of movie that you're expecting uh, but in Amadeus's mm -hmm. case you actually kind of know because it's a simple plot and a lot of people like it's a very specific reference when you make it like in I don't know if you saw the episode of 30 Rock uh, the finale I, I don't remember which finale which season it was but they reference in Amadeus like quite heavily it was brilliant oh no I need to watch that now yeah 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 so <laughs> it, it was brilliant I don't want to say who, who, who made the joke and what what it was about it's just funny um uh speaking of al baldwin being a piece of shit uh, anyways <laughs> right yeah no i wasn't gonna go there but yeah, yeah definitely yeah. i was about to say the exact same yeah, thing yeah but anyways uh but yeah no uh so do you mind summarizing what the plot of amadeus is please uh, it's just about Amadeus Mozart's life and uh, and uh, being a really terrible guest because I can't remember that basically the protagonist's name is or the protagonist of the movie is also the antagonist because he's kind of like a dick to Mozart the entire movie because but what was his name I forget I'm sorry Some, it's Italian uh, guy uh, Solari something like that maybe uh, yeah something like that uh, yeah he's it, it's all framed from his perspective and he goes he you know gives this account of what happened uh, during uh, Mozart's heyday and his his career and sort of his eventual like uh, downfall. Uh, which I thought was really interesting to tell the story from like his enemy's perspective. So that was that was pretty neat. Yeah, no, I loved it because the the introduction, the way they introduced the story was honestly quite brilliant. It's like I'm mm -hmm. a famous composer, and he plays something like no, I don't remember that, and he plays something else, he doesn't remember that, and then he plays something a third time, like you know the rule of threes, which I mean, it's, mm -hmm. it, everybody's gonna like crappy critics like CinemaSins are gonna say oh the cliched three rules, but there's a reason why these work because they're de decent simple. Uh, storytelling device. So the, the third time is like right. he plays it, and then uh, actually now we have to start from the very beginning. It's like um, uh, it, our main character. They thought he went crazy. I think he stabbed himself, or there's blood. Anyway, so they take him to the mental asylum, and then there's a priest that visits him to say, "Oh, you're saying that you killed somebody. Give me your confession." And he's like, "I killed." Uh, he doesn't say it outright, but it's implied that he killed Mozart. Uh, he implies right. it. So, but then he, when when he uh, when he says, "Oh, I'm a famous composer," plays the first note, second note, and he's like, "No." I, the priest says, "I don't remember that." And then the third note says, "Oh, no, I know." And he sings with it. And he's like, "Oh, you made mm -hmm. that?" And he's like, "No, Mozart." And then it starts <laughs> the movie, and I'm like, "That right. is brilliant. That is." It's really good. It's mm -hmm. just it, like and one of the things I have to take you know, I have to st start from the very beginning. What I love about this movie is that it adds narration where it needs, and then it fades. You don't you don't notice the narration has gone until he narrates back. Like oh right, the movie's actually narrated. I forgot about that. And which is one right. of the things that's like when everybody says oh I hate narration. No, no you hate bad narration. Watch Amadeus and you see how <laughs> well made narration can be well well made narration can be utilized. Yeah, and and especially like going back to the the. The three songs that he plays at the beginning there like i really like that because it sets up i mean you know from like immediately that this guy hates mozart and like he doesn't he's like he may like respect his work or whatever but he also is like super bitter about being uh in the same era as one of the greatest composers who ever lived you know so i thought that was a really good summary of uh showing you where the movie's about to go so i thought that was really good right really yeah well. no uh i mean honestly it's just that uh it's you actually this movie is interesting because it's three hours, and 
even mm-hmm. though I enjoyed it uh, immensely, you, you could cut even an entire hour of this movie and the plot would be the same because it's not yep. because I watched this movie um, because uh, unfortunately because of my job I only have enough time to do some of my hobbies and maybe go to the gym and whatever. So, but I but this movie actually has point arcs where I'm like, oh, I can stop here and I'm not lost, and then I can pick pick it back up where I stopped and then continue. And that is exactly what I did. Oh yeah, no, yeah, and I wasn't lost. I wasn't lost at all. And that I don't know if that's a sign of uh, my bad attention span, uh, decent attention span, or how well made the movie is. And uh, it's probably both. Yeah, no, no. I mean, I, I would agree because I was like three hours. This isn't Batman versus Superman. I can't sit here. <laughs> uh, inside baseball, we're talking about Superman. <laughs> anyways, no, but it's like no, I don't mind watching a long, long movies. It's except when it's Blade Runner. Uh, twenty forty nine. Uh, no, it's just it, it's just for me. Like again, I didn't have time. I'm like, okay, let me see if I can if, if I if I slug through this. I don't know if I can, but I didn't slug through it. I went through it. I'm like, oh, but I have to find a decent time so I can stop. I'm like, oh, this is perfect, and it just stops because movie again punctuates. It goes back to the narration or punctuates to a different, um, slightly later time period in Mozart's and Solari's life. And it gives you, and it's it's it honestly is, uh, like their interactions, and seeing the downfall of Mozart. Because again, like I said, it actually, actually, if I would recommend it, I would recommend you like you know divide the movie into three hours, like chunk them, mm-hmm. watch them, because you you would actually feel the passage of time a little bit. This would actually yeah. work great as a miniseries if they got if, if they're gonna do they're if they're gonna continue their freaking re- remaking movies as TV nowadays. Like literally we just they just announced Lord of the Rings. Uh, that makes TV me so show, mad, so. but that's a whole other podcast. Um <laughs> Yeah, if there's one thing Lord of the Rings doesn't need is more hours. Right. <laughs> yeah, but no, actually this is one of the movies that like I don't mind because I think there's a lot of material that you can mine. So it's like Definitely. this is this would be the perfect four episode uh miniseries. And mm-hmm. it just it starts and punctuates with a different time period, and it's perfect. And it, yeah, and uh, yeah, I'm sorry, continue. Yeah, like no, no, yeah, just like uh, when I finally looked up stuff about the movie after I saw the poster, like I think around my college, like whenever I was in the library or something, I saw Amadeus that poster, and I was like, that looks like an animated, like <laughs> it looks like an animated movie. It's like the one with the big black cloak, and you just see the big weird headdress thing. Right. And I still don't know how that relates to the movie. Did I just miss how that relates to the oh, movie? Oh no, or I think is that, just that, a weird... no, that was the costume that his dad, uh, not not the costume that his dad wore. Oh, oh okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. that makes perfect sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, n- um, well, not his dad, his dad's. Um, persona or manifestation in, in mozart's play yes okay yeah yeah so um now that makes sense um but uh yeah so like seeing that over and over again and then finally looking up more stuff about it uh just because i was interested in the poster um it looked like uh i felt like when i finally watched it when i finally sat down to watch it i was going to be in for something like uh uh sophia coppola's uh the mary Antoinette yeah, movie yeah, yeah. uh with uh with kirsten dunce like it was going to be really poppy and like like have a lot of modern uh, references in uh, period modern, piece. aka eighties in modern. Right, yeah, yeah, um, but like I thought, it, and then there was that song Amadeus, the pop song. Um, rock that me, was, Amadeus. I think it came out around. Me, yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, so I thought it was going to be something like that, and that song was going to be in the movie, but it was just really straightforward uh, biopic about uh, this, Honestly, you know, this composer. I mean, so it's one of the I was, things, I was surprised. One by of the that. things I loved about this movie is that it's not a straightforward period drama. Like a lot of, like I mean. Uh, one of the things I really dislike about uh, just generally mo- movies and TV shows is just straight up period dramas about like royalty, and I'm like uh, they bore me to death because the stories is all about ooh disagreement, ooh royal, or, or, or the ruling party. <laughs> like I really don't like that shit. But then, but I'm gonna just give you a really good 
like arc, which is um, hard work versus talent, and it's just something. Yep. And I love that because I, I mean, uh, like, uh, what's it called? Uh, again, I, even though a lot of times I add, uh, I put too much personal stake into these movies, but I do feel that, like, what's it called? Uh, you, you, you sometimes like if even if I work really hard, this just person just can just skate through through life, and I'm just super fucking yep. jealous at them. Like, I, I hate that they can do that, and I can't. And the movie tapped yeah. into that, and I'm like, I like it. Definitely. And it's like I don't really. Uh, like uh, so the movie made it to the point where Solari, like at the beginning, you're like, why did he kill him? What the hell is wrong with this guy? But then you, when you watch through the movie, you're like, oh, I understand him completely. And I also really enjoyed the idea of like uh, how much, uh, how full of himself uh, Solari was, uh, because he hey. everything that like bad happened, like whenever at the end, spoiler for a movie from 1985, um, when Mozart <laughs> dies, and everyone knows Mozart dies. He's a real person. Um, no, whenever he dies, he still thinks that's God making fun of him and not something bad happening to Mozart. So I thought that was super interesting uh, that like he couldn't he couldn't even be even part a, of the an final event orchestrated by Solari himself, though. That's exactly. Yeah. Thing. No, it's it's fantastic uh, because like he just is so uh, caught up in his own. Uh, mental issues that like he can't see that he's killed somebody like or he can't he can't acknowledge that that's not about him in that moment it's about another person whose life he destroys which is something that's super realistic i mean when you see again when you see it this because this movie is thoroughly through f murray abraham's character eyes which again he won the oscar for us which is mm-hmm. uh, I, I i we're not gonna talk about the other nominees which but i think he honestly uh, even if not one if even if you didn't watch the other nom- it, it's so well deserved he because he encapsulates you the way he talks about himself and uh, Mozart and his his toxic parasitic relationship with him, mm-hmm. and it's it's so 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 sad and because you, you feel sad because you're like that could be me. And yeah. It's like it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it's uh, just it's something that mm-hmm. I love and completely yeah. Well, I mean, uh, what did you think of? Uh, I, I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name right, Tom. Uh, Hulse is that or Hulse, uh, the guy who played uh, Mozart, like that. I I, I think he did his honestly. Like if again, if they made the movie starring him, like if they made the movie focused around him, I wouldn't be as intrigued because mm. I think his performance is slightly exaggerated, especially the laugh. <laughs> Feel, um, I mean, I, I think it's an intentional choice by the director slash writer. Um, uh, not not director uh, director and writer they, because they're different people. Mm-hmm. But I think I I know it's an intentional choice. But I feel like if it wasn't for F. Murray Abraham's or, or the, like you know the the frame uh, narrative, the, the like... ves- yes, thank you, the vessel that where our narrative comes from. Uh, like I don't think I would be I would be in love with this movie as much because again it is it's this is not movie is not about Mozart's success. It's about jealousy and yeah. how it affects someone's psyche. No, definitely. I, I yeah, definitely agree with that. Like it, framing it from as like I said, like the antagonist as the main character, basically, like definitely puts a different spin on what could be just like a really boring movie you'd watch in school. Um, so. Right. No. Yeah. That's what makes it different from like the period dramas I just mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Right, yeah. And it, it, because it, it, what's Mozart plot, plot in the end? It's like, oh, he sleeps with too many women. His dad is disappointed in him and his dad dies. You know, it's like it's something <laughs> yeah. like, OK. And I'm like, OK, I'm, I'm interested. But on top, again, the actor is not I'm not interested in him that much. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's not his fault. I I, I, I don't blame him. Like, uh, again, it, it's better than Keanu Reeves. And uh, uh, what, what the fuck was the name of the movie? Uh, Dangerous Liaisons. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, I mean, no offense to Keanu. I love you, Keanu, but you're bad in that movie, so bad. <laughs> um, but, but 
again, he did a job adequately. He he his job wasn't to carry the movie. That right. for me, that's that 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 wasn't my main point. Mm-hmm. And actually, one of the things I wanted to highlight is the side characters because there's so many side characters and they're all. They actually did all of their job adequately. Um, his wife, uh, Mozart's wife, is actually one of the highlights of the movie for me because she, because at the beginning I'm like, oh great, here's another bimbo. But she actually turned into a well-rounded character in the end. She is actually the sane one in the end, and I'm like, huh, right. interesting. That's cool. Yeah, no, like I enjoyed that, and then the uh, the maid that uh, Salieri places in the in their Salieri, home. most Salari, yeah. Salieri. Thank yeah. you. I'm like, I'm, I know I mispronounced him. <laughs> I cheated. I looked it up on my phone because uh, I, I figured we were saying it wrong, and I, yeah, but uh, but yeah, and the maid that uh, placed there, and like how that whole thing unravels, and she just like everybody's calling it like that. Mozart's just gone insane, and like Salieri's plan is completely. Kind of like worked and backfired on him at the same time because at that point he's trying to get a, a like uh, some composition out of him. Um, so I just like that whole thing unraveling and like yeah, like I said, like he he wins and he loses at the same time because as we know at the end, like he can't finish the final work, um, and that would have been the only the only thing that he would have been remembered as helping with, but he he ruined it for himself. Right. Yeah. No. Um. Yeah. It's it's interesting to see his emotions literally transform at the last minutes when he saw when he actually saw Mozart dying. That was mm-hmm. interesting. Yeah. Uh, other side characters, the council, the stuffy council. That was, oh, uh, yeah, that yeah. was funny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> German. <laughs> and then the the fact that he wanted to do uh, what was it called? Uh, Figaro. Yeah. 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 Ma- uh, the marriage of Figaro. Yeah. Yeah. And just how uh, that was like, and then. Uh, Mozart goes off on like, oh, I hate politics. Like, I've just made it into a comedy, and <laughs> just watch it, and you'll like it. And then, uh, yeah, just that whole thing with the uh, with the emperor, um, it's pretty great. Yeah, yeah, I love it. I love the uh, uh, Mozart. I love Mozart. Uh, 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 what's it called? Partying, and then mm-hmm. uh, Salieri. Yeah. Yeah, Salieri like infiltrating the party, and then he him requesting his own music, and then Mozart farting, and it's like, <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm like that is the if you want to encapsulate the entire movie, that 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 scene encapsulates the entire movie. Perfectly. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, just like here's a bunch of uh, here's a bunch of hard work uh, versus a bunch of talent that that hates it. You know, like that just just doesn't care about how hard you worked on this. It's not as good as what he can do rolling out of bed. Right. So. Uh, but I also love that scene. Speaking of that, where uh, Salieri writes that thing, uh, writes uh, for the is it is it the emperor? Am I saying the wrong uh, the wrong Counselor honorific emperor? Uh, yeah, uh, emperor he, Joseph. He, 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 uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, but he uh, yeah he writes that piece for him, and the emperor uh, really is really into it. And then Mozart comes in and hears it once and plays it better <laughs> back to him. You know, that's uh, oh that's, yeah, yeah, that was yeah <laughs> pretty and brutal. It's, it's it yeah no it's. Uh, uh, like I said, this movie is well made. Uh, in the it, I, w- I wanted to highlight the director Milos Forman. I, I know I'm I'm bad at pronouncing names, but fine. This is when this is the movie that uh, I finally completed the quadrilogy that I've always wanted to w- watch from the director. Uh, the first movie that I saw of him was uh, the People vs. Lighter Friends. Flint. Okay. Man, Man from the Moon, Man uh, on the Moon. I don't remember how to say it. the Jim Carrey one about Andy Kaufman. Yeah, Man on the Moon. Man on the Moon, thank you. Mm-hmm. And One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, and now mm-hmm. this. And I'm like, he is one of the most interesting directors. He just gets these controversial figures or like this uh, subjects that nobody really tackles. And I'm like, that's 
that's so cool and it's so sad that he's not relevant anymore but it's actually kind of interesting that he's relevant from one flew over the cuckoo's nest up until man on the moon yeah that is like i when looking you know because i'm i'm a bad millennial and i have to have two screens going at once i always look up like <laughs> trivia and what else you know the director has done while i'm watching a movie and just seeing his career and i'm being like i would not have expected those movies to come from the same person so that was really interesting. It made me definitely want to go back and watch more of his stuff because I haven't seen enough of it. Um, right. No, if there's one movie that you should watch of his stuff, um, like a lot of people, uh, I, I, like One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest is a classic, yes, but The People vs. Larry, Larry Flint, it's an excellent, excellent movie. Yeah, that's, uh, and uh, I mean, as uh, probably a lot of the listeners of this show know that we like uh, Laser Time quite a bit, they talk about uh, People versus Larry Flint a lot on that show. So, like, that's always made me want to go back and watch it. But this definitely, you know, seeing more of his stuff makes me want to check it out even more. So, um, yeah. Yeah, no, but uh, I actually checked out the writer. I forgot his name. Paul Schaefer or mm-hmm. something like that. Uh, but, yeah, no, I, I, he was one of the people like, oh, he just made one thing that made him famous and... I, 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 he made a play and they adapted it and won an Oscar. So <laughs> <laughs> that's always a uh, convenient thing to have happen. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, and that's it. I think that I think his uh, relevance peaked at Amadeus. Mm, it definitely looks like it. <laughs> right? No, um, I, I'm like, I, I also note, like, this is the movie. I'm like, oh, this is where F. Murray Abraham got famous from. Interesting. Yes, and like, I was really surprised when I was, like, I said, looking up stuff about the movie while watching it, like that he, like, I didn't know that guy that that actor was an Oscar winner. You know what I mean? So because I had seen him in like way smaller roles and random stuff, right. like, uh, and just to see him, like. That he, yeah, he's an Oscar winner. I was like, oh, wow, okay. <laughs> now I know how he's been around for so long. Now now I know why people were upset or slash confused why he played an Indian in uh, the Grand Budapest Hotel. Oh, yeesh. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, because he looked like an Indian to me, honestly. I'm like, ah, mm-hmm. oh, interesting. And then I Googled him. I'm like, oh. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> White people at it again. Um. Yeah, no, but hey, at least my knees he's slightly has brown... Maybe maybe he's like uh, Sir uh, Ben Kingsley, where he has Indian roots. Yeah, or like you know, Johnny Depp claimed that he had Native American roots, and that's why he could play uh, uh, one one twenty fourth or one sixty fourth, whatever. Right? Yeah, yeah, indeed. Um, Yeah. But uh, did you? uh, And obviously, Aziz, this could be edited out if I'm. I've got it backwards. But um, like, is uh, (laughs) are we uh, are we not talking about any of the other uh, movies on the list? Is this gonna? I mean, I'm cool either way. I'm just curious. Oh no no it's it's uh, like I said because of my time constraint uh, yeah, totally. I'm usually yeah no uh, I I what's it called uh, I'm will, uh, I also because I'd like to have this bite-sized podcast where we just succinctly talk about the movie for 20 25 minutes which Definitely. is yeah yeah but then but then you because you talked because you sent me a message out of nowhere and it's like well not not out of nowhere but it's like yeah uh this movie kind of sucks and yeah. I'm like I want you I want you to go on a rant for just for <laughs> just for my sake because okay. uh, this part yeah, because the last time somebody ranted on this podcast was was just hating on, on Golden Pond, and I cannot recreate that. So, yeah, rant away, Nick. Okay, so uh, I also watched, or, you know, for this this round, I, wa- I tried to watch more of the nominees. So I watched uh, Places in the Heart with Sally Field, which, you know, we talked about things touching close to pop culture, uh, you know, moments. 
And that's uh, Sally Field won the Oscar for this one. And that's the speech where she said, you know, you like me, you really like me. Um, right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's something that I was I was always curious because, I, I mean, Sally Field, I, I, I like, uh, you know, Smokey and the Bandit. So, I, you know, She's wanted to know. Yeah. So, like, I wondered what she won that or, you know, what she gave that speech for. And now I finally know. And it's probably one of right. her least interesting performances in any movie that I've ever seen her in. And she it kind of <laughs> looks like one of those movies where it's uh, OK. Oh, actually, let me guess what kind of the movie this is. This is a movie. Places in the heart. Hmm. Mm -hmm. She's in the countryside. She's yep. introspective. Her life is in shambles, but then she picks up picks up her life at the end. Uh, kind of, yeah. So uh, the summer, the plot goes. <laughs> uh, the plot goes that Sally Field is married to the sheriff, and it's like I think it's like the nineteen thirties. Uh, yeah, it's got to be the nineteen thirties. Uh -huh. And um, of course, yeah. So uh, she, her husband, goes out. You know, they have an issue, and he gets shot by a black man. And uh, who is drunk? And uh, but that's and I mentioned that just because you think that the movie's going to go that way, where like it's going to be this big movie about race and all that stuff. Because eventually, Danny Glover comes to her farm where they lived, and uh, she's going to lose the farm to the bank. Yada yada yada. And um, so this guy comes in, or Danny Glover's character comes in. He's going to help with the farm, and then uh, she eventually. Uh, she doesn't really want him there at first because she doesn't have any money. And then he eventually uh, stays on. So, and they're going to try to plant cotton this year and they're going to try to bring the, the crop in so that they can save the farm. Um, but none of it actually leads to anything. Like it's all like, cause you think it's going to be like, okay, she's not going to be very trustful with Danny Glover's character because he's black and her husband just got killed by a black man at a very tense time of racial relations in the U S cause you know, that stopped at the 1930s. The, right? the, uh, yeah, the Jim Crow time. Is that yeah, yeah. wrong? Uh, yes, that, that, uh, I believe so. Um, so, yeah, so I, I was thinking it was going to be a movie about, you know, like race and how she is distrustful of him at first, but realizes that, you know, like you can't paint any particular member of any particular race with the same brush, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And that it would be that kind of movie, which would have it would have been weak, but at least it would have had a message, you know. Um, right. But it doesn't do that at all. She doesn't really care about him and like that he's black. The fact that her husband got shot only served as a means to get the plot to where she was trapped for money. And then they throw in a subplot with Ed Harris, who's having an affair, uh, and they eventually just resolve the affair, and he gets back together with his wife. But those two plot lines never connect. Like, they're just separate plot lines that don't have anything to do with each other. And it's just, and then at the very end of the movie, um, oh, and by the way, of course, they bring in the they bring in the, the, the crop and they save the farm. And, uh, they, <laughs> and like, but it's all just Is like, there a big baddie? Like, there's whale, a, whale, whale. And yes, there is exactly that character who comes to the no farm. No way. Yes, no, seriously. Like, he's like, uh, there's a, the banker who comes to the farm. He's like, you know, you're just an ignorant woman. I need to take this farm from you and do you a favor. And then there's, of course, a guy that, uh, that the cotton gin who's going to, like, like, you know, they have to harvest the cotton. Or I don't know how cotton farming works. But, um, so they have to go through this guy. Yeah, fucking white guy. Of course you don't. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I didn't realize the trap I had walked into just there. Um, <laughs> but uh, don't, so, don't let me stop you around. So that guy is just like, he's going to like lowball her or whatever. But then, of course, with Danny Glover's help, she talks him into getting a fair price. But it's literally just things might go wrong and that they don't. The movie. Like, that's all that happens in this entire movie. And I was like why nothing there's no real conflict here like nothing is really a struggle and i don't know why sally i mean sally field's awesome i don't know why she won for this movie in particular because she doesn't do anything like she's the least interesting character of all the characters and then all these different subplots never connect and then it 
it like okay then at the, towards the end of the movie like you think Danny Glover's going to get killed by the KKK because they show up at the farm and um and I haven't even brought up the fact that John Malkovich is also in the movie. He plays a blind dude. What? Lives, yeah, he uh, he plays a blind guy that Whoa, lives okay. with them. You're, you're, you're just pulling my string. You're just naming old white people, and you're like, yeah, they were in that movie too. No way. Yeah, no. John Malkovich is in the movie. He plays a uh, he plays the uh, brother or brother in law of the banker who wants to take the farm, and he's renting a room from her. But that literally doesn't go anywhere. Like they kind of don't like each other at first, and then they're fine with each other. Like that's that's all that happens in the movie. And it's just it's so frustrating because like you could have at least said something about race or race relations or whatever, uh, but you don't. And then the KKK shows up at the end, and they're pissed that Danny Glover, uh, you know, helped them save the farm or whatever. So they're gonna they're gonna kill oh, him. So which... it's it's like one of those eighties rabble, rabble, rabble. Yeah, and then but like then I guess the only reason John Malkovich is there is since you know obviously all the KKK guys have the their hoods on so you can't see their faces he recognizes all of their voices and points them out you know and he's like you're you you're you and you're you and they're like oh you got us and they leave and then they they don't what yeah. no you're just just describing a cartoon to me no this no is way. real this that happened in the movie and i was like well i guess what? that's that's cool that danny glover didn't die because i was going to be kind of pissed if he did but Okay, so then that, that would happens. actually, but that would add actual conflict to the movie. Exactly. So, and there there can't be any like se- like severe conflict in the movie at all, like because it, it just it nothing nothing happens in the movie. That's like things happen and then they don't and then they do. Like that's the whole movie. And then at the very end, the movie tries to have this moment where it's like everybody came together and it was all peaceful because they go to church and they're all taking communion and. Um, they all like even the dead uh, the dead sheriff is there and like everybody like Danny Glover's there John Malkovich is there like everybody's there and they're all drinking the same wine or whatever um, but it just doesn't have any impact because nothing happened in the first part of the movie there was no conflict that had to be resolved that brought all these different people together so it's just a boring movie where nothing happens but somehow got nominated for best picture and we won't go into the other nominees but then when I watched a couple more of those. I was like, why was that movie even included in this? It didn't have a message. It, it said nothing about anything, period. And, like, it, it bothered me so much. <laughs> well, I mean, it even won Best Original Screenplay. That doesn't make any sense. There's no... Okay. There's no point in that um, whole subplot kind of with that movie. Like it, actually, I do have a point. That's one of the things that I'm like... It, it proves that, actually. I don't know if it proves it, but this is one of the cases where it, it adds to the evidence that a lot of the times, best actress is just for, hey, what was the most thing that we, what, what was the movie that we most remember that started a woman? Oh, that movie. And then they just not, it's like with um, Blue Jasmine with Kate Blanchett, even though I really liked her, but nobody mm-hmm. remembers that movie. Yeah, and no, they just, I, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, no. If everybody who I talk to, I'm like, oh, really? Oh, I like Kate Blanchett. Like, yeah, watch it. It's actually a decent movie. It's made by Woody Allen. Ugh, but it's, yeah, yeah but it has Kate Blanchett. So, yeah. But I mean, anyways. <laughs> Yeah, it, but it, it was made at the time where everybody forgot about Woody Allen for just just a millisecond. <laughs> uh, just a millisecond. Um, yeah, no, it was hard to do. <laughs> uh, uh, pun intended, because of Woody Allen. Uh, yeah, but yeah, yeah. But anyway, so but yeah, it's one of the things that I'm like. Oh, actually, you, you you don't. I don't even need to go for that for the back. Orange, uh, fuck, what was it? August Orange County? I don't remember that. I don't remember what was the title of the movie, but it starred uh, Julia Roberts and. Um, uh, what's her face? Uh, shit, Kramer versus Kramer. Uh, the one, so, uh, Sophie's Choice. The one she was nominated for the most nominees ever. Um, Meryl Streep. Mel- Meryl Streep. Thank you. I'm, why am I even? How did I kind of forget her name? But anyways, she, both of them were in the movie, 
And that movie was nominated for an Oscar, I think. And the, the only reason it was not, again, the only reason it was nominated for an Oscar, it's like, what was the m- most memorable movie we know that starred women? Oh, that one. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things that I'm like, that's one of the things I'm like, oh, that's ma- that's maybe why she won. That's, I think she was the most memorable, I guess. I guess so. Um, but yeah, that whole movie. And like then finding out, like once again, while reading trivia, while watching the, the boring movie, but uh, like okay. sh- that's what she won for. I was just like, really? This movie? That's... Sally Field gave better performances in that movie about unions that she made. I can't remember the name of it, but like I watched that movie in school and I was like, that's, that's what she probably won for. But like, no, it was this one and it was just <laughs> totally unremarkable and lame. <laughs> yeah. I mean, no worries. Uh, what's, um, yeah, I, again, uh, for people who are actually used to us talking about other nominees, uh, uh, I'm sorry. I'm always, uh, I'm uh, again, last few months I've been strapped for time. It's unfortunate. But I hope this uh, bite-sized episode tides you over if you actually listen to this shit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, thankfully, somebody else ranted about a piece of shit movie other than me, which is always refreshing. I mean, I got plenty Again, of rants, man. Whenever you want me on to rant about movies, I'll do it. Oh, yeah. Actually, <laughs> one of the movies I actually wanted to talk to you about is that I actually was interested in it um, was A Soldier's Story. Is about yes. is actually about racism yeah. and set in Louisiana. And it's like, huh, yes. interesting. No, I, did, I did watch that, that would, one as well. Uh, okay, so this is just, uh, you know, just uh, slight recommended, not recommended. Is it okay? Oh, I would recommend it for sure. Yeah. Okay, cool. I'll, I'll watch it soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you, guest, for fi- the first, I think, I think one of the few guests actually watched more movies than I did. <laughs> I win. That was awesome. I, 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 yeah, you win. You win. <laughs> You've seen <laughs> way more movies than I have. Like those old SNES games. <laughs> Uh, anyways, uh, so, uh, you know, to wrap things up, wrap our main topic, Amadeus, recommended, uh, is it, does it, does it hold up? I definitely recommend, uh, it's just a little long, so you may have to, like we talked about, break it up in chunks, but definite recommend. Yeah, yeah, for me, I, if you want to watch Amadeus, watch the first hour, or not, not exactly the first hour, but then when you see it, like, oh, it's almost a close hour, or it's over a little bit over an hour, because it, it gives you, it, somehow this movie gives you convenient breaks, you can just stop whenever you want. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you watch it, and take your time with it, and it does surprisingly hold up, honestly, like, uh, one of the things I'm like, I'm, I'm surprised that not a lot of movies that were, that won Oscars in the 80s were, are remembered that well, you know what I mean? It's like, they're not talked to as like one of the greatest movies of all time. Definitely. Yeah. And, uh, but yeah, I mean, like, I think, uh, I think this movie definitely holds up, definitely worth a watch. Uh, even yeah. if you don't know anything about classical music. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. No, nah, for me, I don't give a shit about at all. Like I actually, it's one of the things that I'm like, I'm glad, I'm glad this movie exists because it dispels the notion that classical movie is always uh, classic classy you know mm-hmm. uh it's like with shakespeare everybody like oh shakespeare this high art form you know shakespeare was a was a prude not a prude right. um like he he's a like perverted little fucker you know it's like yeah, like, yeah. But it, it's co-opted by high class mm-hmm. and they change it into this high art form so it's it's always interesting i'd love i always love to change this idea that classical music is always classy or classical things are always classy because there's no such thing and you always have this oh new stuff is always uh uh, it's always degenerate, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, definitely seeing like seeing these people as real people and not just like the stuffy like portraits that you see in history books <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> yeah, like exactly, like not that not that image of Mozart that you have. He was a real dude and he was crass and he was silly and like he was flawed in a lot of ways. So it's definitely interesting to see someone explore that in this movie. 
yeah, yeah, I, I, I love it, and yeah, like I said, I recommend it. I recommend also Milos Forman's uh, other movies, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. We discussed mm-hmm. that with uh, the great Bre- Brendan Ralph. Um, mm-hmm. uh, also, People vs. Lighter Flint. It, which if you you don't know what that is, you just know the title. You just heard me. You just first is. <laughs> this is the first time you've ever heard of it. It's uh, it's actually about the hustlers. Uh, hustler or hustler, yeah, yeah, hustlers founder it's like and it explores his life which is amazing and mm-hmm. then man on the moon which is about andy kaufman's uh one of the most controversial figures in uh, entertainment history Definitely. uh where, where everybody is like is he really a comedian is he is it is just it, you know these assholes on youtube doing social experiments quote unquote he was the <laughs> he was a pioneer of that so mm-hmm. it's actually really good and it's, it's and actually it's timely because the netflix is doing a movie st- uh, documenting how Jim Carrey went through the process of playing Andy Kaufman. Huh. Yeah. Called Jim and Andy or Andy and Jim. One of okay. those things. Uh, side note, my dad was actually eating, well, he was he was in the U.S. recently and he was in the restaurant at the same time as the ca- like wrap-up party or something. Oh, wow. Party. That's wild. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, that's cool. But yeah, anyway, so we're, we're going to say goodbye. Uh, Nick, do you have anything to plug? Uh, I mean, I guess if you want to hear more random thoughts about movies, I'm on uh, I'm on Twitter at uh, Powered by Nick or Megalodon Draper. And you can check his previous episode if you thought, wow, this Nick guy is actually quite smart, unlike this Aziz dude. Uh, you can check no episode two, Midnight. <laughs> Trust me, a lot of people are saying that, including myself. Uh, you can check the second episode of this podcast, uh, Midnight Cowboy, which is... Uh, which which has a lot of other nom- nomination not nominees which are w- w- interesting to talk about this my, with my other controversial opinion that a classic movie is not as good as I, as people say it, which one is it you have to listen to find out <laughs> <laughs> uh, and you can speaking of Twitter you can follow me at two as in the number way as in the road Jerry as in the mouse. Uh, and then on my website where I can check out all uh, the new stuff that I make www.samewitterhandler.com same Twitter handle, twojerry.com. Uh, hopefully soon, I'm, I'm doing a lot of dumb shit with my friends, and hopefully soon my website will be updated with more than the one short that I made a year ago and the, this dumb podcast. <laughs> all right, so uh, see you all guys later, and have a good day. Bye. Bye.